We're uh, trying to do some recording here today. Hey, so we are going to start a new series here for the next five or six weeks going through January talking about this idea of pursuit and uh, really the idea in this series is kind of this, this, this thought of we all pursue things in life. We're going to talk about chasing after the heart of God. What does that look like to chase after God's heart um, and to pursue God's heart above everything else in my life? Um, and so maybe you remember this verse. Today we're going to talk about the shape of hope. But maybe you remember this verse and something's wrong with my slide there. Um, uh, chasing after the heart. Here is this, um, this scripture. Maybe you remember this one. We used, used it a couple times in the last year. David writes this, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, we've noted before that David's prayer here is not that he wants to move in and take up residency in the temple and live there 24-7. That's not what's on God's, uh, what, what's on David's heart. Really what David is expressing here, he is really expressing our reality. His desire is our reality because our, what? our body is God's temple and God indwells us 24-7. And that's what David wants. He wants to be in the presence of God 24-7. And so David has this passion for God and for his heart. In fact, we can add something to this as it relates uh, to this whole theme of, the, of, the, uh, of this series. And it's the fact that David is noted in the scripture as being the one who was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22, it says, He raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. And so David is this one who chased after the heart of God. And we want to talk about that for the next several weeks. What does that mean to live in pursuit of the heart of God, to chase after the heart of God? Specifically today, we want to talk about pursuing this idea of hope, pursuing hope. What does it look like to live a life in pursuit of hope. One of the things you could say about David who chased after God's heart. David went through a lot of difficulties if you know his story. Went through a lot of hard times and hiding out in caves and living on the run and yet through it all David had a tremendous hope. There is a hope that just carried him through life and the same can be said for you and I. The question as we look towards 2019, are you anticipating a year of hope. Now here's two verses to kind of set the, the, the stage of this morning here. Uh, Romans chapter 15, here's what it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And there are two simple things in that passage to note up front here. Uh, number one, the God we serve is a God of hope. The God that we worship here, Yahweh, the self-existent God, is a God of hope. He is a God of hope. And the second thing worth noting here is that our God of hope wants us to abound in hope. He wants you and I to abound in hope. And the reality is to chase after the heart of God really will lead to a hope life here's another passage i want us to note and this is in romans chapter 5 and in romans chapter 5 just five simple verses and we see three implications to our salvation when we come to christ and are saved three implications we have peace with god we have access to god and we have hope in god three implications to our salvation here is the text then romans 5 therefore since we have been justified by faith 
since we've been saved, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And he goes on, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, not knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So note the flow of the text there, specifically in regards to hope. Because of our salvation, because I've been justified by faith, there is this hope that goes before me. And this is true throughout the Bible. Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden in hope. Abraham, the, the father of the Jewish people, was a man of hope. We just saw the hope in David's life. We just mentioned that. The reality is Christmas is the pinnacle of our hope and the rapture. We look forward to the rapture one day which will be the fulfillment of our hope, you and I today. Here's the thing about hope. Imagine it this way. Let's just say, for instance, someone came along and you won some contest or something and you were guaranteed that sometime in your life before you died, you were, you, you were going to get a check for a billion, B, billion dollars. So you knew that one day, it could be when you were 25 or 45 or 85, but sometime before you died, you get a check for a billion dollars. You didn't know when, you just knew one day you would get this check. And so every day, you would think, maybe today I'll get that check in the mail. Who wouldn't like to get a check for a billion dollars? Even if you can pass it on to your next generation, how great would that be? And so every day you live with this, this kind of hope. And I, I realize as the years wane on, you would get discouraged and think, oh yeah, I'm never going to get that. But what if every day you got email reminders and text message reminders on your phone saying, you've got a billion dollars coming to you. And, uh, and so you lived with that. I think it would really impact the way we went to bed at night and the way we woke up every morning. Well, the reality is we have been promised something far greater than a billion dollars. We've been promised an eternity in heaven with Christ where Christ lacks no resources. The streets in heaven are paved, not just paved, I think they are made of gold. Uh, the, the, the wealth is beyond a degree. We're, an, an, we're heirs of all of that through Christ. And so every day we can get up and live with this sense of hope. There is this future hope out there because we've been promised that maybe before we die, we'll be raptured away. Maybe, maybe at the moment we die, we'll be caught away to heaven immediately to be with Christ. And we can live with that hope every single day. Here's the big idea behind today's message. To chase after the heart of God is to abound in the hope of God. And God wants us to be a people that abound in hope, that have tremendous hope, because he's a God of hope. And he wants us to abound in hope. And to chase after the heart of God is to abound in the hope of God. Where is your hope this morning? As we head into 2019, what defines your hope? What does define your hope? And whatever you put your hope in will really uh, determine a lot about the quality of the life that you live and how much hope you really have. So, how to abound in the hope of God. Three facets to that shape our hope this morning. Three simple things we'll look at here and uh, kind of walk through some scriptures to help us do this. First, my hope is shaped, number one, by God's faithfulness. My hope is shaped by God's faithfulness. We just sang about it. But the reason we can live with a daily hope is because God is faithful. He is always faithful. 
It says here, since we have been justified by faith. Think about that a minute. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's simply saying, that's talking about our salvation. How am I saved? I'm saved. I have a relationship with God by grace through faith. No, no works I, that I do can earn my salvation or earn me to be reconciled or having a right standing with God. I'm saved by grace through faith. What does that simply mean? <clears throat> what, is, what do I have faith in? Basically, I have faith in God's faithfulness. I have faith that God will keep his word, that, that God will give me his grace. That's really how salvation works. I have faith in what Christ did on the cross and that if I ask him, he will simply give me his grace. Faith is the key that unlocks grace. So you see, I can have faith in God because God is always faithful. And I can live with hope every day because God is faithful. Now, think about this. God is faithful to what? He's faithful to his promises. We could talk about that. He is faithful to his promises. God, there are promises that God has in the scripture. They were there in 2018. They'll be there in 2019. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, there are some things in the Bible. Sometimes people claim things in the Bible and say, oh, God has promised to make me healthy or wealthy or famous or no, God hasn't necessarily promised those kind of physical things to us. But he gives us all kind of spiritual promises that we can claim today. Here's just a handful of examples. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Similarly, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me a common theme there, right? If you sincerely seek after God, if you pursue him, you know what? I, there's a promise, you'll find him. He will show himself to you. You'll get to know him in new and powerful ways. I love this one. If God is for us, who can be against us? That doesn't mean everything in life's gonna go smoothly. It means that whatever you go through, you can have hope because God's gonna go be, be right there with you. He'll be your defense. He'll be your support. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's a great promise, right? I don't have to worry about anything in this world. I don't have to worry about my financial status, right? God's never going to forsake me. If I have God, I have everything I would ever need. Here's a great little promise, a promise kind of within a promise. It is impossible for God to lie. That's kind of a promise. God's telling us, whatever promise I make to you, it is impossible for me in my character. It is impossible for me to lie. Wow. And just a couple more here. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And similarly, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The promise that one day he will rapture us away, capture us away, take us away to be with him in glory in heaven for all of eternity. That's the promise that we have expanded here. Let me just read one more uh, kind of lengthy promise. Explains it. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. See, if, you, if you're not going to be caught away to heaven, you don't have any real hope in your life. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who are dead in the grave. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from a heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We can have hope because one day we have this promise, it's called our blessed hope, that we'll be caught away to heaven to be with Christ. We can have uh, hope because God is a faithful God and he is faithful to all of his promises. And yet God at the same time is faithful to his purposes. And just think about this a minute because the reality is, and it might sound cliche, but God has a purpose for every single one of us in this room. Every single person, and, and some people might hear this, as we're putting this online, and sometimes people listen to this online, and anybody who hears this message, God has a purpose for your life. You are on this planet for a purpose. And while it's con- cliche, <clears throat> it is true and it is empowering, and I can know God's purpose for my life if I simply trust Him, if I simply have faith that He is faithful to his purposes in my life. I can tell you personally, I am as confident as ever in my life that part of my purpose is what I'm doing right now. That I, it's just, it's what I find incredible passion in, incredible fulfillment in. And, and I just feel the weight of God on me when I get to share the word of God and preach it the way I am at this very moment. It, it's, it's an incredible honor and I feel the weight of that responsibility not in a burdensome way but in a joyful way and each week as I study I'm careful about what I say and how I say and even why I say it everything that I say I want it to come and be in tune with the Holy Spirit the thing is that is true for everybody in this room we have a purpose from God It might be something you live out on the job. It might take the shape of a ministry at church. It could be something you're called to do in your community or maybe it's just within the four walls of your own home. You have a purpose that God has put you on the planet specifically to carry out, to bring him glory. And we see the faithfulness of God in those very purposes, those purposes that give us hope. If you don't know what your purpose is, you need to ask God, what is my purpose? I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. There's the promise. And if you want to know your purpose and you're not sure, what is my purpose? Why am I on this planet? What does God want to do with my life that has eternal value? If you just ask him, if you seek him and ask him, he will tell you. And there may be some of you today that need to ask God that very question. You can always ask myself or a Christian friend to help you unpack that on a personal level. It's a great thing to discover. Why am I on this earth? God's purposes prove his faithfulness and at the same time help us live in and live out this hope. That's the reality. Just know there's no one who does not have a holy purpose from God to live out. Now, we think about God's faithfulness. We think, okay, he's faithful to his promises and faithful to his purposes. But God is even faithful in those areas in life when sometimes we think God isn't faithful. And I think you know what I mean. There are times in life when we say, okay, God says he will never leave me or forsake me. God says he is for me. And we go through things and we're like, I don't feel like that right now. Don't feel like God is on my side right now. 
And even in those times, God proves his faithfulness. God is faithful in my pain. In, in, in the struggles, in the adversity I go through, God is even faithful in our pain in ways that we may not often think about. And when God's promises tend to ring hollow at times because life is really difficult and we're hurting and the adversity is great, even in those moments, if I can get past the immediate emotions, I have to ask myself, am I going to trust how I feel or am I going to trust the promises and, and the word of God and what God says to me? Never trust your emotions. Your emotions, you don't want to trust your emotions. They can get you in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Think back to Romans 5 again, the passage we read earlier, and listen to what it says here. We rejoice in what? Sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Character produces hope. Look at that simple promise. In this verse, God will take the suffering we endure and use it to what? To build our character. He uses it to build our character, which in turn increases our hope. Now how crazy is that? Think about that. Suffering that actually produces or increases my hope. That's the exact opposite. When you go through adversity and suffering and trials, the normal response is what? I, I become hopeless. I lose all hope. But see, God's faithfulness is that in my suffering, God will take it and actually build and increase my hope. Paul reiterates this to the Philippians. And I am sure of this, he said, that he, Christ, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, or God. The work that God is doing in your life, being faithful to his promises and purposes and and even in your pain he is faithful as he is doing a good work in you and will bring it to completion until the day we are raptured away until our hope is fulfilled until our glorified bodies are realized God is faithfully at work in your life and in my life and he is causing us to abound in hope think about that how he uses our sufferings to actually help us abound in hope Bottom line, the way we experience hope every day is by letting God develop that hope in us. You see, we can have hope. We, we can pursue hope every day because God is faithful to his promises and to his purposes. Uh, in a recent blog post, Randy Alcorn discusses why God allows suffering in the lives of his people. And he puts this really in just, just great perspective. Listen to what he says in in regards to this issue. He says, mountain climbers could save time and energy if they reached the summit in a helicopter. But their ultimate purpose is conquest, not efficiency. Sure, they want to reach a goal, but they desire to do it by testing and deepening their character, discipline, and resolve. God could create scientists, mathematicians, athletes, and musicians. He doesn't. He creates children who take on those roles over a long process. God doesn't make us fully Christ-like the moment we're born again. He conforms us to the image of Christ gradually. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 In our spiritual lives, as in our professional lives, and in sports and hobbies, we improve and excel by handling failure and learning from it. Only in cultivating discipline, endurance, and patience do we find satisfaction and reward. 
And those qualities, and those qualities <clears throat> are most developed through some form of suffering. So the, the times in life when we're suffering, those times when we think that God isn't faithful, He doesn't care, and He can't be trusted, it's the exact opposite. That's when God is most faithful. Because the reality is suffering is a byproduct of this world. We're going to go through suffering in a broken and fallen world. It's just that if you know Christ, he will take that and he will actually use that to build your hope. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing promise, the faithfulness of God. So when I talk about shaping my hope and having hope and abounding in hope, the first thing is that my hope is shaped by God's faithfulness. Here's the second thing that impacts this, though, and my hope is shaped by my attentiveness. My hope is shaped by my attentiveness. What do I mean here? Well, the thing is, I can speak of God's faithfulness. I can talk about how God is faithful, but can I look into a mirror and see how God has been faithful in my life? Can I personalize that for a moment and say, you know, God says he'll be faithful, but you know what? I know from looking in my own life, that's true that God has been faithful to me. I can look at those promises that God has spoken into my life, that God has spoken to me. Verse 2, look what he says there in Romans 5.2. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Because of our salvation, we are standing squarely, it says, in grace. Think about that. Just get, get a word picture of that. Wherever you're standing, you are standing in grace. Grace And sometimes I need to be more aware of where I'm standing. I sometimes need to be more aware of where I'm standing. Because of my relationship with Christ, I am standing in grace wherever I step. What does that mean? Well, let's think about this idea of being attentive. For, for instance, I need to be more attentive to the Word of God. We, we often talk about reading the Word here. We need to read the Word more, right? And we do need to read the Word, but not just reading it, we need to hear it. We need to hear it reverberate deep in our spirit, deep in our heart and our soul. Not just reading the word, but hearing the word. Remembering that the Bible really is more than just a book. It's different than any other book. It really is a person. It's a living, breathing book. That's a tough concept to wrap our head around. But the Bible says it is the living word. And the Bible, like prayer, think about this. Uh, this is just hearing what God has said to me. When I'm attentive to the word of God, and when I read it, it is hearing what is God saying to me right now. Here, here's the reality, is, is that prayer, uh, the, the Bible, kind of like prayer, is conversational in a sense. It is God speaking to me. When I open up the word of God, God is speaking to me. He's speaking into me my life now understand something this doesn't mean that god is speaking new revelations today that god is giving us new doctrine and theology today all this means is that what god wrote two thousand years ago three thousand years years ago four thousand years ago that god is speaking it to me and showing me how i can apply my life to his word how i can see my life through his word how those promises come alive within my life 
So the bottom line, the more attentive I am to God's word, the more hope I will know. It's going to increase my hope. The more that I look at God's word and can read it and can apply those promises back to me, the more hope that I am going to have. Now, remember, I need to be more aware of where I am standing. So when I think about being attentive, it's not just being attentive to the word of God, but it's also being attentive to the grace of God. Think about that again. I'm standing in God's grace and there's a positional reality there that I'm saved. And so because I'm saved, I'm in God's grace and I am reconciled to God. I'm redeemed. I have a relationship with my creator, the God of the universe, a personal one-on-one relationship. But I'm standing in God's grace and there's there's, there's this idea that being in a relationship with God and his grace poured out on me, there's all these blessings that I'm in the midst of. So I need to be more attentive to the grace of God. This is seeing what God has done for me, okay? I need to hear what God has said to me by being attentive to his word, but I need to see what he has done for me by being attentive to his grace in my life. All the blessings I have in my life. So there's this amazing word picture again. We have all obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Can we just picture ourselves standing in the grace of God? What does that mean to us again? Yes, there's a positional reality, but there's also, I think, a practical reality of every day. We are just living, standing in God's grace. Now, what is grace again? Grace is undeserved favor. That's what our salvation is. It's undeserved kindness, favor from God. Not one person deserves to go and dwell in heaven for eternity with God. Not one person. We're all wicked, evil, sinful people. But God, what, died for us and gave us his righteousness, makes us right with him, gives us his holiness. And so we didn't deserve that favor. God did it to us out of the goodness of his heart. So grace is this undeserved favor. Now, we, we can kind of build on that because Paul talks about what this looks like in Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have these spiritual blessings. So we talk about our promises are really more spiritual. He didn't promise us a lot of physical things. He promised us a lot of spiritual things that are far more deep and far more meaningful Our spiritual blessings are things like our adoption into his family, our redemption, reconciliation, our inheritance, our eternal security. Now now stop a moment and process this with me. I need to be more attentive to the grace of God. I'm standing in God's grace, and so I need to be more attentive to the grace of God. So what we have here then is grace is the undeserved favor of God, which really equals the spiritual blessings that I have in Christ. So I have all these, I'm standing in God's grace. I have all these spiritual blessings in Christ and I need to be more attentive to those spiritual blessings. This means every day, wherever I am physically standing, I am standing spiritually in this incredible relationship with God. It is so beautiful. I'm a redeemed child of God. I have been adopted by love into God's family. Even if I don't feel very lovable, or deserving of love. I am loved. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. It's the undeserved love of God that he gives to me. I was bought with the precious blood of Christ. I have been redeemed by his precious blood. And I may not always feel very worthy, right? 
but I am very, very worthy because I was redeemed by the blood of Christ and he gives me incredible worth. That's the, the beauty of it. Have you ever felt unworthy in life? Have you ever felt unloved in life? Well, God's undeserved kindness comes and, and answers that for us. And then I have been reconciled to God and peace has been made between two former enemies, between me and God. Even when I am mad at God, even when I'm not at peace with myself, you know what? I've been reconciled to God. I'm at peace with God, even when I'm mad at Him. And sometimes we all get a little mad at God, don't we? And yet I'm still at peace with God. It's His undeserved kindness, His undeserved favor in my life. Here's the point. We will always be more cognizant, more aware of where we are physically. We're going to always be more aware of where we are in, in our life physically and our physical circumstances and the struggles we're going through and all the burdens that we're carrying around. We're going to be much more aware of that. And so we need to be attentive to stop and say, you know what, I am standing squarely in the grace of God and these are all the spiritual blessings that are mine even though life doesn't always look like I have those blessings. They are a reality. And we can take this one step further then because the undeserved favor of God equal the spiritual blessings in Christ which equal the promises of God. The spiritual blessings are those promises that we have. In fact, it's also the purposes. My spiritual blessings are the fact that God gives me a purpose and God gives me a promise and he is faithful to that purpose and faithful to that promise in my life. The empowering purposes and the irrevocable promises of God to me and they hinge on this fact that what, what God can't lie whatever God says is even when I don't feel like it if God says it it is that means that if he says I am his I am his if he says I am redeemed I am redeemed if he says I am forgiven I am forgiven if he says I am loved I am loved regardless of how I feel or my emotions that's the reality so we could say it kind of like this. If, if you want to think about um, how do I tie some of this together here? Maybe it sounds a little bit all over the place. Standing in the grace of God is standing on the promises of God. When, I, when I'm standing in the grace of God, so I'm standing here and that's my reality, but to be attentive to that, to say, you know what, I am standing in the grace of God. I am standing in this incredible blessing of God. And when I, when I am attentive to realizing where I'm standing, then I am more likely to be standing on the promises of God and what he has promised me, that he won't leave me or forsake me, that he is for me, that he's not going to lie to me. In fact, add it all up, and here's a great practical application. Here's what we need to do. I need to personalize the promises of God. I need to take those promises of God, I need to personalize them. Can I do that? Here's what I mean, for instance, okay? It's, it's just like, it's like this. Um, uh, yeah, just got to think here in my head. It'd be like this. It'd be like, Heather, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Can you just personalize it? Can you just take that promise and personalize it? If God is for Eve, who can be against Eve? If God is for Wayne, who can be against Wayne? Dave, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lucille, it is impossible for God to lie to you. When Christ who is, when Christ 
who is Bill's life appears, then Bill also will appear with him in glory. Can you take the promises of God and can you personalize them? He who began a good work in Melinda will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Personalize those promises and build your hope. Strengthen your hope. Take the promises of God out of the Bible and transplant them into your own life and see how God has been faithful to you and how God has been faithful in you. Number three. So it's, it's Starts with God's faithfulness. It moves through my attentiveness and then it lands here. My hope is shaped by my responsiveness. My hope is shaped by my responsiveness. What do I mean? Shaped by my responsiveness and that's the wrong scripture caption on the screen there because what it tells us here, it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So think about a definition of responsiveness a minute. Here's what you need to know, what that word means. It is the quality of reacting quickly and positively. Reacting quickly and positively. Ultimately, to live a life of hope, I need to learn how to respond in a positive way to the faithfulness of God. I need to learn how to respond in a positive way to the word of God and the grace of God and the promises of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you see the responsiveness there? Rejoicing in the midst of our suffering. Rejoicing in the hope, the hope that produces a joy. So the hope I have produces a rejoicing, yet understand as well that my rejoicing also produces hope. That when I rejoice, it draws out that hope. I was trying to, trying to think of how to ex- express this. But think about this, to experience hope, I have to respond to it, I have to celebrate it. Kind of like a birthday, right? You can have a birthday and you can totally ignore it. But, to experience your birthday, what? You celebrate it. It's like I got a birthday and I'm going to celebrate my birthday and I'm going to recognize, I'm going to respond to my birthday by celebrating it. It's kind of that way with our hope. We can have hope and we can just ignore it. I got hope, you know, and, but I can just forget it and ignore it. And, or I can respond to that hope every day and say, I have hope. And as I respond to that hope, it will fill me with much much, much more joy. So I can get up every day and I can say today, I might get that check for a billion dollars. No, not a billion dollars. Today I might wake up and today might be the day Christ comes. I can get up every day to look out the window and say today, maybe today he's going to come back and take me to glory. Wouldn't that be so amazing? Here, here are three quick responses that can help shape your hope here. And I want to hone in on this word rejoicing a minute. I was thinking about that word rejoicing. What is rejoicing? We often think of rejoicing kind of like worship, right? It's worship, it's praise. It is, but I think it's more. Think about rejoicing in this sense if you can. Rejoicing equals rejoy. Expressing joy over and over and over. I don't know if that's correct or not, but I think that's a cool way to look at it. We, we do these word games sometimes as a family and y- y'all know my brother-in-law Harold came here and taught that science school class and, and um, Harold's the king of re-words in these games. So he takes words and then, you know, he repurposes them by putting re in front of it and gets bonus points, you know. If you know how some of these word games work. So, you know, you got resize and resaturate and realign and, and he'll have things like re-sing, like you re-sing a song. <laughs> He kind, of, he kind of maybe uh, pushes the boundaries on these rewords. Well, anyway, think about rejoice. 
rejoy. It's joy over and over, expressing joy over and over and over again. And I think that as I express joy over and over and over again, it can feed my hope, my responsiveness. When I, when I look at the promises of God and I just respond to them in joy. Three ways, rejoicing in worship. Just in worship, expressing my joy over and over and over again. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Just rejoice. Psalms 40.16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. Every day get up and just celebrate your salvation. Celebrate that you're standing in the grace of God. Despite your circumstances, express your joy over and over and over as you sing to him, as you lift up your name in praise, as you worship him even in the face of hard times. Back in Romans 5, it says we've been justified by faith. And because I've been justified by faith and saved by grace, I have this this peace and grace and I have this hope. Some of you will have probably heard this and I shared this years ago, but this comes from Charles Swindoll. And listen to what Charles Swindoll says and think about our responsiveness in life. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than what other pe- uh, is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitudes we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, writes Charles Swindoll, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Romans 5, 3, and 4, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Life is 90%, 10% our circumstances and 90% how we respond to them. How many know that's not true? You can have two people go through the exact same thing and, and, and just the way we respond makes all the difference. Rejoicing in worship, rejoicing in gratitude. Just expressing joy over and over and over again. Why? Because I'm standing in these incredible blessings of God. I'm standing in the grace of God. And he just pours out. I'm knee high. I'm waist high. I'm over my head in the blessings and promises and purposes and grace of God. And I just rejoice. You know, I think we take a lot of things for granted in life. We do. Sometimes we take people for granted. It can be that person at work that just reaches out and is a blessing to you one day. Or maybe it's your spouse or somebody in your home that is just a blessing for you one day and we just kind of miss it. Maybe it's somebody in church sends you a card or does something nice for you and we just kind of take it for granted. Sometimes people, you know, they post on Facebook, they post pictures of creation, right? And so they'll, they'll post this beautiful sunrise or sunset and they caption it, the ride into work today, or, 
or, or the ride home from work today, or this is how I woke up this morning, and they have this caption for this beautiful photo, and, they, and, and somehow in the busyness of life and in the fog of all their circumstances, for just a moment they can stop and say, wow, we live in a really beautiful world, look at that. But for every moment someone captures on Facebook like that, there's a hundred they miss. We take so much for granted. And we need to rejoice and celebrate and express joy over and over and over again in all of the incredible blessings that God has poured out on us. And when I talk about missing those moments, it's not to make us feel guilty. It's to help us understand that our hope is shaped by how we respond to God's faithfulness. And when God is faithful to give us a new sunrise or a beautiful sunset, we need to respond and say, thank you, thank you, Lord. That's quite a work of art. When God sends someone into our life to encourage us or help us, we need to say, thank you, Lord. I needed that person. I needed that, I needed that shoulder. I needed that hand at that very moment. Rejoicing in gratitude and then rejoicing in faith. We can express our joy over and over and over as we trust God and have faith in Him. And this is back where we started again, right? Because why do I have faith in God? I'm saved by grace through faith. Why do I have faith in God? Because what? He's a faithful God. Because He carried out the gospel, went to the cross. He provided for my salvation. He was faithful. And that's why I can have faith in Him. Think about this a minute. Do you know how much faith you can have in God? Think about this. As you head into 2019, do you know how much you can trust God in 2019? Any idea? Here's how it works, and you're heading in the right direction. When we think about expressing our joy through our faith, our faith in God is simply a response to his faithfulness. When I have faith in God, it is simply a response to his faithfulness. What that means then is that the measure of faith that we invest in God can always be equal to the faithfulness of God. The amount of faith that I actually invest in God can be equal to how faithful God is. How faithful is God? No one compares. There is no one more faithful and more trustworthy. No one who cannot lie, who has such amazing promises for us and purposes for our life. So I have faith in God. I trust Him because He is faithful and trustworthy. And the more faithful and trustworthy He is, the more faith and trust I can have in Him. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful reality. So I can find great joy over and over and over again trusting God because He is always faithful. As I express that joy, you know what? I'm filled with hope. It gives me hope. It encourages me. So three ways I can respond to God's faithfulness. Worship, gratitude, and faith. And we have basically moved today from God's faithfulness to my attentiveness to just being attentive that I am standing in the grace of God all the way to my responsiveness to where I'm going to respond. I'm going to say thank you for those blessings where I'm going to lift up your name and worship and praise and I'm going to rejoice over and over and over and over again. At the back of those scriptures, there are three questions. Let's look at those here as we wrap up today. There are three questions at the very bottom of all the, uh, of all the scripture verses. And, and I just want to think about one thing here. So think about this. We, just, we learned earlier, the first verse we read today, in fact, let me read that one verse over again back in Romans 
chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Okay? And so here's the simple reality that our God is a God of hope. Now think about that. God is a God of hope. And if anyone knows this world and knows the brokenness and, and, and knows the wickedness and knows all the problems this world has, God does, right? God wiped the world out in the days of Noah because it was so bad. But the reality is, God, despite knowing everything, knowing things you and I don't know, He's a God of hope. Why is God a God of hope? Because you know what? God never loses sight of the cross. Never loses sight of the gospel. Never loses sight of the fact that Jesus came down and redeemed everything and reconciled everything back, made everything right. And that cross, that reality of the cross of the gospel is why we have a God of tremendous hope that he has not lost his creation, that he can still have a relationship with you and me. And the cross that towers over everything is the thing that proves his faithfulness and proves his love most of all. So three questions here I want us to walk through here. And let's wrap up with these questions today. My greatest concern heading into the new year. Let's just take a second and think about this. My greatest concern heading into the new year is what? What is your greatest concern? Every one of us in this room can write something down. The thing that's weighing on me right now as I look towards 2019, the one thing that might sap my hope, the one thing that might make me say, this might not be a good year. What's the one thing? I think we can all find that one thing. Remind yourself over and over and over and over again that God is faithful. And look for a promise that can speak to your concern. Find a promise you can't find one yourself ask Wayne ask me we'll help you find a verse that we can you, you can just attach to your concern and you can personalize it and you can head into 2019 with a lot of a hope you should be able to head into 2019 with all kinds of hope what is your greatest concern here's a second question a blessing from 2018 a grace that I'm standing in a blessing that I'm grateful for but that I may have taken for granted is what can you just stop? And, and if you ask God, he'll let you know. He'll be faithful to tell you. What's one thing in your life in this last year that was a huge blessing and, and you just kind of took it for granted? You just kind of overlooked how amazing that person was or that, that gift was or that opportunity was. What is it that you just overlooked? A blessing from this past year. Ask God. He will let you know what that is and then you can stop taking it for granted and then finally number three an area of my life where i need to rejoice more where i need to express my joy over and over and over on a daily basis so i can experience more hope in 2019 and remember this isn't this isn't how we rejoice we rejoice through what through worship we rejoice through gratitude we re rejoice as we trust god but what's one area of life where I need to worship more or I need to trust God more or I need to be more grateful? What's one area of my life where I just need to rejoice and express my joy over and over and over and over until I have hope even in that circumstance, even in that relationship, even in that situation, even in that illness, whatever it might be. Wow. Wow. Do you feel the hope? Hopefully you do. Let's close in prayer.
Father God, thank you. As we look these next several weeks about pursuing your heart, chasing after the heart of God, may we understand that we need to be a people of hope. We need to be the most hopeful people on the planet. We need to show other people where our hope is rooted in. It is rooted, it's, in, it's rooted in Christ, in your faithfulness. It's rooted in, in the gospel, the cross, where you set everything right, where you gave us the opportunity by grace through faith to have a relationship with you. God, I pray everybody in this room knows you personally, has a personal, not a religious relationship, not a religious experience, but a personal relationship. And I pray we can all open up the word of God and we can hear you speak to us personally about our life, about our circumstances, about our struggles, about our relationships, about our opportunities. God, fill us with your hope. As we leave today, fill us with your hope. And may the words that we heard today, uh, the words from you, may they resonate with us throughout the week to come, giving you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said, amen. Amen.